Are you guys ready for God's Word? I'm ready for God's Word. I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I, I really have been excited about every week of the series, but this one just, um, I'm, I, the revelation that I get to share with you today, I, I just want you to turn your expectors up, you know, get your hopes up. We're going to receive some of God's truth today. Uh, how many, we're in a series called Here to There, Here to There. How many have been here during the series, you got something out of it? All right, most of you, if you haven't yet, we're going to get you today, okay? I promise. Um, but one of the, the primary goals of this series is really to challenge us, is to challenge us to grow, is to challenge us to move, right? What happens if you don't grow? You die. There's no middle ground. You're either actively growing or you're actively dying. And what we said in this series is we want to move from here to there. We want to grow forward in our relationship with Jesus. Amen. And we do one of the ways we do that is with next steps. And so I mentioned there's three tools in this series that I'm referring to every single week. Uh, what we did as a staff earlier this year is we took our next steps and we built kind of a roadmap called the Next Steps Path. And so if you've missed it the last couple of weeks, here's a quick reminder of what that is, the Next Steps Path. Each of our lives are journeys. Every day, we make decisions that will shape who we will become. Our faith is that way, too. This journey of following Jesus happens step by step. While we know that journey will look differently for everyone, we have created what we call the Next Steps Path. This is not a comprehensive map, but a guide. And we are here to help you every step of the way. Through its nine steps, its only goal is to answer our favorite question. What's your next step? Let's start at the beginning. Start Here includes the foundational steps in your journey to follow Jesus fully. It includes salvation, water baptism, developing a daily devotional, and inviting someone. Each of these are steps you can take today and every weekend at Pathway. Get connected is where the fun happens. Whether you are brand new to church, have been following Jesus forever, or looking for something different, there is a way for you to get connected at Pathway through our worship, prayer, student, and kids' experiences. There is something for everyone. The best way to discover more about our church, our vision, and your place in it is by attending First Step. We know that God has made you on purpose for a purpose. At First Step, you will discover our story, your giftings, and your place in our mission of connecting people to purpose. Next, our value Be Generous is up. Start giving, live generously, and discover your financial next steps. We believe that when you give, you are making a difference in someone's life, and we believe there is no better investment. But we're not done yet. We know that life is better together, and that's why we want everyone to get into a life group. Your community has the potential to change your life forever. Discover our life groups and find your crew today. This is where another one of our values comes into play. We believe that saved people serve people, and we bring that vision to life by joining a serve team. Whether you are handing out high fives at the door or hosting an online experience, we're committed to helping you find a way to serve that best fits you. But there's more to this journey. We all have things from our past that need to be settled for good so that we can live our best life. That's why we want to help you live free. Through our annual Freedom Conference and Freedom-Focused Life Groups, our hope is to help you move past the past you have known and to follow Jesus into your future. Now get ready, because now is your time to shine. We believe that there is leadership potential in every person, and we know that God wants to use that leadership to expand His kingdom at Pathway and beyond. Become a leader at Pathway and help us bring this vision to life. And last is our favorite question. What's your next step? We want everyone to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We believe that journey doesn't have a finish line, but is made up of daily decisions, devotions, and actions. Ready to take your next step today? 
Head over to mypathway.church and click Next Steps Path to discover more and take your next step today. So our challenge every single week of this series, and really forever, is to identify a next step and to take it. And to challenge yourself to grow, to continue to grow. We, just in this series, just within this first few weeks, we've seen several come to faith in Jesus or make recommitments to Jesus and their relationship with him. Several of you have already um, signed up to be baptized at the end of this series and take the next step and follow Jesus' example of water baptism. Um, some of you have joined life groups. That's the point. We have to choose to grow. We have to take next steps. Look at that path. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a resource. It's a place to start. It's to look at and go, okay, where am I at and where am I going? And start moving, right? We've got to move it, move it. We've got to... Move it. You guys did way better than 9 o'clock. I'm just, just saying. I, I told them that you would. So... Um, the second tool that we're using during this series is a survey, a research survey called the Reveal Spiritual Life Survey. And just to kind of give you a quick recap, um, what this survey did was survey 1,000 American churches of all different shapes and sizes. So from mega churches and larger churches that you would recognize, like Gateway, our, our, found, our uh, covering church participated, all the way down to like the smaller denominational churches that probably most of you, like me, grew up in. It took a look at 1,000 churches and polled 250,000 church attenders, so people that attended church. And in that poll, what they discovered is that all of those 250,000 people landed in one of four categories. And so what we've been talking about in this series is that the first category we're calling exploring God. These are people that are learning about Jesus that they're, 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 they're coming to church. We have them every week here at Pathway, virtually, where they're just listening, they're learning, they're finding out about God. Then we talked about the second group of people, beginning in God, and how we move from learning about to relating to, to relating to Jesus. It's not just a head thing now, it's about a heart thing, right? But we had to come to, this is what the cross represents, a relationship in Jesus, to be saved. Then we talked last week, and we're going to spend a good bit more time today talking about this group, the close to God group. And this is the group that they're looking like Jesus. They're learning how to be a disciple, to look like Jesus. And then next week, we'll spend most all of our time on this group, the God-centered group. And this is a group that's lost in Jesus that is losing their life in Jesus by giving all of themselves to him. And so there was three movements that we saw in this progression. Again, keep in mind, 250,000 people, this was, this was consistent among all of the churches that were polled. That you have this group of people that are experiencing God. What did we say in the first week? That their movement and growth in Jesus, the catalyst, was receiving God's grace. That it wasn't by works, right? But that was a revelation of God's grace that moved them to faith in Jesus and caused them to be beginning in God. And we talked about the beginning in God group, and we talked about this movement last week. Beginning in God, the revelation of God's word as the final authority in our life, the roadmap, right? Then the movement we're going to mostly talk about next week, and I'll come to that in a second, is this movement of giving. To be lost in requires us to really give our lives away, not just our money, but to give our whole life away to Jesus. And we're going to talk about what that looks like next week. But one of the things I wanted to really point out, um, if you remember, uh, that is 
uh, consistently, I've talked about every week, is that this is not a chronology. That just because we've been saved for 30 or 40 years or 10 years or 15 years or whatever the number is doesn't automatically grow us through this continuum. That it's a conscious decision that we have to make to grow. Much like a 107-year-old pipe organ is no more saved than that person, right? We have to make a decision to grow in our relationship with him. Because you can be in church, and this is something we fight as church leaders in this area because it's kind of the Bible belt. And everybody thinks just because, you've heard pastor talk about this, just because grandma went to church and I prayed a prayer one time at youth group, that somehow that, that's it. And that what we're talking about in this series is that is not it. Um, that we talked about the Pharisees who memorized the, the Bible, what they had in their hands back in that day, and how they weren't even on this chart, right? They were somewhere over there. And so it's critical that you understand that the growth in our relationship in Jesus, it correlates to the condition of our heart, the condition of our soul, which is the third tool that we've been talking about in this series, that if you remember Mark chapter 4, we're talking about these soils. What I really want you to see today very clearly is our responsibility in this whole equation is the soil. And what did we say? These aren't three bad groups of people, right, and one good group of people. We said that these are four good groups of people with one common enemy, right, the enemy of our soul, and that we are all on, it just it correlates to this. This is exactly what this survey showed. It's, it correlates to this is where we all start. We all start here with hard hearts. And we have to receive the seed. Satan's always trying to steal it. We're going to talk a lot about that today. He's always trying to steal it or choke it out or crowd it out or he's trying to choke it out, right? And we have to be proactive. We have to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. That's part of what we're going to be reviewing today is that this is, this is a progression that we have to actively participate in. We can't sit around and wait for growth. We can't sit around and, and hope that we grow in our relationship with Jesus or grow into our purpose. We have to take measured steps every single day. Amen? Do you see that? Um, I know you do. I didn't hear you, but I could feel it. So the series title is Here to There. If you remember in uh, week one, we were talking about, we had to figure out where we are. So like I use this analogy of the theme park and how you walk into Six Flags or you walk into Disney and you have to find the map and it says, you are here, right? That's the first step. Because to get where we're going, what? We have to first know where we are. So if I'm trying to get here, you know, but I'm here, that's a different place than trying to get there from here. Amen? Just like if I'm trying to get to Peter Pan's flight um, you know, from Space Mountain, I have to know that I'm at Space Mountain to get to Peter Pan's flight. It just doesn't work by itself. I can't just wander. I guess I could wander around. I see those people. They look lost a lot <laughs> in the theme parks. But we have to use Last week, we talked about using the map, that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Um, why am I spending so much time on this close to God group. In the survey, 38% or 95,000 of the respondents were here. In some churches, that number was more like 50%. My hunch is that you guys as pathway are probably better than even that. 
But we have to recognize that this is a key place in our faith that people seem to get stuck. And so we're going to spend some extra time this week talking about what moves us from close to God to God-centered, because there's some pretty big hurdles. We're going to talk about what the enemy does. We're going to talk about God's part, the enemy's part, and our part today. All right? You ready? Okay, we're going to pray the same prayer we've been praying since the beginning. So if you'll repeat this after me, we want to prepare the soil of our heart, okay? God, there are two things I'm asking. Empty out of my heart everything that's false, every lie, and every crooked thing. And give me neither undue poverty nor undue wealth, but rather... Feed my soul with the measure of prosperity that pleases you. Amen. Last week, one of the keys we talked about is that if the word of God isn't all that important or necessary, why does God work so hard to get it into our soil? And why does the enemy work so hard to steal it or to choke it out? Right? Why is that? There is a war for our seed. And today, we'll even take that a step further. There's not only a war for our seed, there's a war for our produce. There's a war for our fruit. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that together today. But we're choosing to grow closer to him from here. So we're talking about learning to look like Jesus. And then this all-important jump of from looking like Jesus to lost in Jesus. How do we make this jump? This is where, again, in some cases, 50% of the church's people were. And so it's important that we understand what is my part, right? Because I have a responsibility um, to take those steps, to take those growth steps. And so today's message is called, I am getting, am I getting close? Am I getting close? We're talking about close to God, close to God. So I'm going to break this down. Uh, I want to start with this, though. I grew up across the street from my grandparents, my mom's mom and dad. And you've heard Pastor and I talk about our pop before, and this is mom's dad. He was a phenomenal preacher and teacher of the word, uh, but he was also a pretty phenomenal farmer. Um, And he was pretty much good at everything. There wasn't anything he couldn't fix uh, with duct tape and baling wire. I mean, literally, in some cases, <laughs> uh, Pastor Marty and I would haul hay during the summers, and we would uh, you know, pick out of his garden. And, and he had, at times in his life and our life with him, uh, these tremendously large gardens where he would plant corn and okra and squash and cucumbers and watermelons. And I mean, you name it, Pop pretty much planted it. What was consistent with Pop is that every time he planted corn, guess what he got? Corn. Every time Pop planted okra, what did he get? Okra. This principle is something we find in God's word. And I want, I'm not going to read every scripture today because I have quite a few. But the principle that we get from Genesis 1.11 is that God said, let every seed produce or reproduce after itself. This is true in the natural and the supernatural. If I sow corn in the natural, I will get corn in the natural. If I sow anger in the natural, the supernatural rather, I'll get anger spiritually. 
right? Whatever I sow, I reap. What we're going to spend a lot of time on today is there's, I'm going to kind of put it this to, uh, to you this way. There are two seed and produce stands, okay? There's two seed and produce stands. God has one called God's seed and produce, and Satan has one called Satan's seed and produce. And so as we get into the meat of the message today, you have to understand these two produce stands, these two seed stands, and what that looks like in our relationship with Jesus and what either helps us grow through this or what keeps us from growing and even in some cases makes us turn back, okay? So let's look at God's seed store and produce stand. Genesis 1.11, I said, every seed reproduces after itself, right? Let's look at Leviticus 11.45. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. He wants us to look like him. We're talking about looking like Jesus. What does holy mean? It just means set apart. It means dedicated to him, his service, consecrated to him. We're supposed to be set apart and look differently than the world. We'll be talking about the produce here, but there's a distinct difference between the produce of heaven and the produce of hell. It's very, very different. We have to be set apart. Uh, John 17, 17, this is Jesus talking. And Jesus said in verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word, we're talking about the word, the seed, the word, the seed, the truth. This is God's seed. It's what produces God's fruit, right? You sent me into the world. I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Again, word, truth, seed. God's word, his truth is the seed that he's planting in all of our hearts, no matter what the condition of it is. You see that? So let's look at God's fruit. If he's planting seed, it's supposed to produce fruit. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we plant God's seed, his truth is what we're talking about, this seed, then we get God's produce. Do you see that? We get God's produce. Conversely, when we plant or we take from Satan's seed store and produce stand, we see what we've seen in this parable. In Mark chapter 4, we're talking about what? Thorns, right? How did those thorns get there? Somebody sowed them. There's another passage in Mark 13. Let's look at that together that kind of tells us the rest of the story. Another parable he put forth saying to them, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. Who sowed the good seed? God. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Who sowed? Who was the enemy? Satan. You Guys, if you get nothing else other than what I say today, understand this. There is a good God sowing seed all the time. And there is an evil enemy trying to steal it, crowd it out, or choke it out all the time. All the time. 24-7. 
we, the problem that we as the church typically have is that we get very complacent and passive, and we don't think that there's, you know, like uh, I use this analogy in the first service. Um, remember when, you know, way back in the day, if you're as old as I am or, or, or older, there was a time like in my parents where they didn't have to lock the doors at night or lock the doors on our car when they went places because there was no fear that anything was going to happen. Well, what started happening? All of a sudden, stuff came up missing. And all of a sudden, we started locking the doors. Was there always an enemy there before? Yeah, but maybe not in our area. Maybe not at our house. You have to know, to do anything about it, you have to know there's an enemy. And if you are blind and not, th if you are thinking there is no enemy out to get you, I'm here to, to underline it, highlight it, circle it, jump up and down, whatever I have to do to let you know there is an enemy of your soul 24-7, stealing, crowding, choking, stealing, crowding, choking. That's what he does. There's a research survey I read this week from Barna Group that's, that's polled, I forget the number of Christians, a significant number of Christians. Four out of 10 of them, 40% of the Christians polled didn't believe in a literal Satan, that he was a symbol of evil or a literal hell. What do you think Satan's best plan would be to convince us that he's not really there? Like, well, that's just this idea of evil. I'm not really real. Guys, God, Jesus couldn't have been more clear about it. We have a literal enemy of our soul. And if you hear, if you're sticking around here for any length of time, you're going to hear this preached from this platform by everybody that steps up here. We have a literal enemy. His name is Satan. And there is a literal hell, just like there's a literal heaven. What you have to keep in mind is that we serve a great big God and itty bitty devil. <laughs> like he's real little. Amen. Satan steals and crowds out, but he also sows, and he's very good at it. Amen? <laughs> Have we all been there? His seed also produces after its own kind. Looking at Matthew uh, 13, 24, and 25, that, that par parable where it's talking about the enemy came and sowed tares. He's constantly sowing. He's constantly looking for an opportunity to sow. So what is the fruit of his sowing? What is the fruit of his seed? Satan's fruit, it's the works or the fruit of the flesh. We see some of them in Galatians 5 and elsewhere in the Bible, but here, here's some big ones. Bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, hate, malice, envy, jealousy, lust, pride, anxiety, anger, all the thorns and the tears. Because if he can get us looking like him, then we don't look like Jesus. If he can get us producing his fruit, anger, resentment, jealousy, then we can't, if you can get this picture, um, when if, what, what the Lord's trying to produce in us, all of all the fruits of the spirit, they, they have trouble coexisting right? It's, it's really difficult to have love and anger. You really have to pick one or the other. You can't, you can't have both. Um, it's critical to understand that we are in a war for our soil. It is our responsibility. Guys, every one of these, whether you look at the growth 
map on the screen from the, the, the survey, you look at the example of the parable, the common denominator is that we all have responsibility for our soil. God's throwing seed. Satan's throwing seed. It's our soul. What we allow into it will reproduce. And I almost cut this part out of my message, but I, Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. So I think it's critical to understanding. We're talking about thorns today. We're talking about the fruit that comes from the enemy. Um, so I'm going to cover this quickly. So can you buckle your seatbelt and hang on real quick? It, this is critical to understanding the nature of the war and the battle that we're in. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 19, it says, I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said unto them, this is Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I think that was kind of one of those things from Jesus where you, you cast out demons. Well, I, I threw Satan out of heaven, <laughs> you know. He's all powerful. He says here, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. How much power? All. How much does that leave the enemy? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Did Jesus mean literal serpents and scorpions? No. He was speaking, we we're talking about spiritual ears and spiritual eyes in this series. He's speaking spiritually. Why did the Pharisees get you know, jumped up all the time and knocked off their course? Because they were always trying to see in the natural. He, the, you who have eyes, let them see. Ears, let them hear. It's spiritual. He's speaking in spiritual language. Like in this, in this text where it refers to serpents and scorpions, there are literally churches that bring snakes into the sanctuary to trample on them. Thankfully for you, we are not one of those churches. <laughs> because we recognize Jesus was talking about spiritual snakes and scorpions. We're not going to release, you know, the, the mummy returns in here. <laughs> because Jesus is talking in spiritual language. Another example, Ezekiel 2, verse 3 through 6. I'm going to jump down to 6 because here's the point. This is God's revelation to Ezekiel. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do, you not, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. He's talking about Israel here. But he's speaking, do you think Ezekiel was struggling with literal briars and thorns? Or literal scorpions. No, demonic powers. Demons, Satan, he's got a network. One last place, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. You've heard this spoken about before, but Paul's talking about having a thorn in his flesh. Do you think Paul had a literal thorn in his flesh? No. He says in that verse, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger or angel, if you look at the Greek, angelos, of Satan, a messenger or an angel of Satan. When Satan was thrown out of heaven, like lightning, a third of the angels were thrown with him. They are real, and they are at work in this earth. Jesus is trying to get us to see. If you look at, there's so many places that you can see so clearly, the, um, I think, uh, Corinthians, Luke, um, Ezekiel, Numbers, the use of thorns 
as it relates to the demonic. It's, it's a correlation that you have to get. The Bible used parabolic language and symbolic language throughout to connect us to truth. But it's spiritual ears and it's spiritual eyes we have to see with. They weren't talking about literally those things. They were talking about spiritual things for us to be on guard about in our everyday life here on earth. Again, remember that Barna survey, 40% of people don't even think that's, they literally exist. If you're not aware of the enemy, what's he going to do for, me, for you? He's going he's to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're not aware. Um, with that in mind, I want to quickly summarize the, the two scriptures that are rel relative to today. We're talking about this soil. I want to review them with you. Uh, Mark 4, 7. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. What keeps us from producing God's fruit? That's what we're going to be looking at. What keeps us from producing God's fruit keeps us from growing into all that God has for us. We're going to talk about three types of thorny seeds. Three types of thorny seeds that Satan sows in all of us. And it's all of us, guys. Every single one of us in this church building and outside of it or online deal with this all the time. So don't eliminate yourself, right? Satan sows in all of us to choke out God's word and to keep God's fruit from producing in us. The first one is the cares of this world. The cares of this world. 1 Peter 5, 7, you all probably know this verse, but just for review, it says, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Do you know that we're not supposed to carry care? We're not designed to carry burdens. Do you guys know that? Is that revelation to anyone? We're not designed to carry burdens. We're, just, we're supposed to cast them. How many of us have trouble carrying burdens? <laughs> Moment of honesty. All right, all of us, all of us. But this is something that you have to get because if I have an armload of burdens I'm carrying around everywhere, what has trouble getting into me? God's truth. If I'm carrying around all that garbage, all this junk all the time, I can't receive the seed of God. I can't receive it because this will choke it out, because there's no room for it. Psalm 103, uh, the imagery a lot of times you see in Scripture is how God relates to us is through the symbolism of sheep. He is the good shepherd. We are his sheep, right? And Psalm 103 says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Do you understand that sheep are not burden-bearing animals? You've never heard of pack sheep. <laughs> you haven't, because they're pack mules. Sheep are not designed to carry burdens. And he didn't design us to carry burdens. We're supposed to do what? Lay the burdens at the feet of the good shepherd. What do all of us have trouble doing? What do we do? We take our burdens and we go, okay, Jesus. All right. 
You gonna do something about that? <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> and we pick them back up again. Anybody guilty besides me in this room today? We all do it. I'm here to remind you that is this week has God has worked on me with this and worked on me with this because I you just it's subtle. It's subtle. I reached a place of freedom this week that I've never been in my, in my journey by just getting the revelation of this scripture. I'm not designed to carry it. It is not mine. He wants it. What does he say? His burden is what? Light. How many want to walk around light? Not heavy. <laughs> Receive the truth. <laughs> Amen. Uh, there's a, do you see how the cares, concerns, burdens, the fears of this world choke out God's seed, God's produce? Uh, there's a quote by um, a friend of ours, Pastor John Stickles, actually a friend of pastors. Um, but there's a quote I heard in his book, uh, Follow the Cloud, that I thought was so good. I want, I want you to write this down and get it deep in your spirit. He said, your future is always on the other side of your fear. Your future is always on the, uh, God, G, the enemy does not want you to see what's on the other side of this, right? And he's sowing, and he's sowing, and he's sowing anxiety, fear, anger, jealousy, confusion, whatever he can sow to keep you from seeing your future. Because if you could ever get a glimpse of it, you'd never go back. You'd go all in. Amen? You would. He is, this is why this is so critical. And I think many, many of you in this church are in this boat. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus and you want to be lost in Jesus, you're going to have to get rid of this crap. You have to quit carrying it. You have to lay it down at the feet of the good shepherd and leave it. Amen. That's a good word. I was sitting in my office this week meditating on this scripture, and I heard it in a way that I want you to rewrite your memory about how you hear the scripture from today forward, okay? Will you do that? All right, listen to it this way. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He cares so that you don't have to care. We can't both care, though. If we, he will let us care and carry, amen, if we want to, but that's not what he wants for us. He said, let me care. He said, cast your care on me because I'll care for you. Receive that, amen. Changed my life this week. <laughs> Number two, second type of thorny seed, deceitfulness of riches, deceitfulness of riches. First Timothy 6, 17, this is Paul to Timothy. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or proud, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Skip up a couple of verses. Also, first Timothy 6 and verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires, remember that word, that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root. We're talking about seeds. We're talking about seeds and produce. 
the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. How many have known some of those people before? You sometimes hear about them that, you know, people that win the lottery, they go through, like they get an inheritance or something and they're not able to carry it. And it produces sorrow. In some cases, people take their lives. We have to be mindful, so mindful of a good father that knows what we need and when we need it. Because he knows what will hurt us. Do you see that? The deceitfulness of riches. Why does the enemy sow this seed? Because he wants us to trust, desire, and love money or the idea of it or riches. Why is this detrimental to our faith? Because God designed us to love, desire, and trust him. And he won't compete, right? He won't compete. We have to choose where are we getting the seed from? What are we allowing into our soil? God's seed. Um, Satan wants money in its pursuit to take the place of God. It promises only, promises everything. Money, mammon, as it's referred to in the Bible, is an, like an Aramaic term is talking about uh, it was a god of money. But it promises things that only God can give us. And it's kind of a heart check, right? It's, it's subtle. Because we can justify like nobody's business. Well, if I go pursue that good job, I can give more to the church. Right? No one here has ever been there, I know. It's just me. But... It's subtle. How many have ever said something like, I really need God to come through or somebody to give me a million dollars? How many of you will be honest like me and say that you said something like that? That, friends, is the deceitfulness of riches. That's the definition. Because if I'm saying that I, my sole resource is God, but now I'm saying, well, but if God doesn't give it to me and I can get it from this guy, that'll take care of the need. I'm living double-minded. I have to decide, is it all God or not? Is it all him or not? And because the deceitfulness of riches is the idea that I can get it somewhere else, that I can get love, joy, peace, contentment, any of those things from mammon, from money. It's the deceitfulness of riches. What does that look like on us? What does the deceitfulness of riches look like on us? Well, when I have this position, this title on my business card, this corner office, I'll give more to God when I, when I can make more when we can afford it. How many have ever said that before? I could give to the church to help build that bridge, but man, I really want this new truck. Ooh, ow. Um, I'll stop working 80 hours a week and being away from my family when I make enough. When I can afford to shop in these stores, drive this car, get accepted in these social circles, live in this neighborhood, I'll be content and happy. No, you won't. 
Because it can't give you that. Contentment and happiness comes from one place. God. Period. And carriage return. Um, we can only experience true happiness serving him and not riches. That's the deceit. The third thing, last thing, desires for other things. Desires for other things. Matthew 6, verse 31 says, do, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. That's what I talked about earlier. He knows what we need. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things, what things? Eat, drink, what we wear, what we need, will be given to us, will be added to us. Don't seek things. Seek God. If you believe he's a good father, which is something you have to decide, do I believe and hear that he's a good father? If I do, then I only want what he gives me. Amen? How many have ever been at a, at a party or maybe at your house growing up? I'm not sure. This was not us. And we, we grew up in the South, so probably not many of you. But have you ever been at a table where there was food and you kind of reached over because what you needed was on the other side of the table and you got the hand slap and you got the don't reach? Anybody? Okay. At my house, you, you better be first. You know, I'm just, <laughs> don't, don't wait. <laughs> We could eat, and mom knew how to cook. <laughs> but what I want you to get from that is that what our Heavenly Father is saying to us is don't reach. Don't reach. Ask. Ask. Let me give you what I know you need when, when you need it. Is it wrong to have a million dollars? No. For many of us, it would be wrong to have it right now because I have to settle the matter of stewardship in my heart first, because God's not going to give us something that will crush us. He's going to give us something that we can benefit from and that will benefit the kingdom. One thing I want you to see that we'll spend a lot more time on this week is that this fruit that God wants us to produce, guess what? It is not about you. The fruit that you're going to produce, the 30, 60, 100-fold, is about everyone else. This isn't about, look at my fruit. <laughs> That was not in my notes, but <laughs> oh, dear Jesus, um, forget I ever said that. <laughs> the fruit is for everybody else, amen? It's not about us, um, but don't reach. And there's a, there's a word in the, the Bible that's translated that is used in this parable of Mark chapter 4 as we're talking about the desire for other things. I use that word desire a second ago. It's translated two ways. One is a desire that's God-given, that's a strong passion. The second is a desire that Satan gives, also the word desire in the English language, that is lust. Satan always counterfeits and jacks with God's best gifts. He always manipulates them and twists them and contorts them to get us away from God's truth and get us into worldly lusts, worldly fruit, worldly pursuits. It's his nature. That's his job 24-7 with us is to keep sowing his seed, to keep sowing the thorns, because he knows if he can keep us from producing God's fruit, he can keep us from God's best. Amen? Um, what does misplaced passion look like? Just one quick example as I wrap up. 
If you remember David, David, at this time in his life, there was a, the, the scripture says, in spring when the kings go out to war. It was war season. And David's passion should have been in advancing his kingdom and advancing God's kingdom through him. And he stayed home. And his misdirected passion found him in a place where he ended up in a relationship with a married woman in adultery. A kid came from it. Then he murdered her husband. All the bad fruit, right? Just because he misplaced his passion, just because he allowed all of this to choke out God's fruit. You see that? So how do I keep these thorny seeds out of my soul and from choking out God's seed, God's fruit in my life? It's real simple. Love God, seek him first, and love people. The center of the mark, right? Love God, love people. But we got to seek God first. God doesn't come in second. But guys, we have a choice to make today. What has this whole message been about? Understand this. You have to own your soil. What goes into it is our responsibility. But here's what's amazing. God always gets what he sows. So if we'll allow him to sow love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control, if we allow him to plant those, they grow on their own. But we have to protect the soil. We have to weed out all this garbage that tries to choke out God's produce, God's fruit all the time, right? Amen? Go ahead and stand with me. Jesus points out in Mark 8.36 that it's, it's futile if we gain the whole world and lose our soul. We have to be about receiving the fruit of God, God's seed, from his seed and produce stand only. But we have to be aware we have an evil enemy that 24-7 is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And every single day of our lives, we have to get up and make a conscious decision that we're going to battle. We're going to put our passion, our strong desire and passion for the Lord in first place and not give in to Satan's twisted counterfeit lust, right? His strong passion, Jesus, the Lord's strong passion, his pure desire at work in us drives out lust. It drives out the impure desire for other things. The secret of the kingdom of heaven, you can see it so clearly. I never saw this until this series, this parable study. But if you take a look at if you notice in this parable, God, Jesus says, this is the secret to the kingdom of heaven. What was he trying to get the disciples and us to see? We are at war 24-7. There is a war on our seed. There is a war on our produce. And we have to be mindful and we have to be engaged. But one of the other things that I saw that was so cool um, I actually heard it in a message uh, that Pastor Robert at Gateway preached one time, but it was so good. I want to share it with you as we close. That many times we think the promised land is heaven. And it's not. 
And if you say, Mark, that's blasphemy. <laughs> we sang about it, right? I am bound for the promised land. Okay. We, on this earth, God guaranteed us what? Abundant life. Here, not there. Here, what does that look like? In the same way that if you can see the children of Israel, when they came to the promised land, what did they see in there? Giants. And they were afraid, and they didn't go in. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that saw they could take the land. What God's saying to us, if you, his promised land is the overcoming Christian life. The promised land is here. What do we have to do to get there? We have to take the land and drive out the giants. If we drive out anger, lust, bitterness, hate, malice, it clears the soil where only God's seed produces fruit. That's the promised land. Because one day we'll go to heaven, and that'll be awesome. But God wants us to live an overcoming, abundant Christian life here, right here. Amen? Yeah. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. If you've been listening today, and you've recognized that you've been burdened down by the seed of riches or desires for other things or the cares of life, and you want to get rid of that. And maybe you're not in a relationship with Jesus, but you want one. You know that you need him because you need the peace that he can offer, the unconditional love that he can offer, that the enemy will never be able to offer you. I just want to pray for you where you are. And so if that's you, just slip up your hand real quick and let me pray over you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you guys. Amen. I'm so proud of you. It never gets old. It never gets old. Seeing people grow and choose to take a step into relationship with Jesus. Whether you've been there before or never been at all. Anyone else before I pray? If you're in this room, like several of you indicated, or if you're online, and you lifted your hand, I just want you to pray a prayer, something like this with me. It's real simple. Receiving grace is easy. He gives it freely. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my mistakes. Forgive me of my sin. I receive the blood that you gave for me on that cross, that you gave one time for all of us to wash me white as snow, to wash me clean as if I had never sinned. That was your promise. I receive it. And I, I commit to do my best to walk out every day with you, with passion and desire for you. And when I fall, to run back to you, for you to be my Savior, my Lord, my very best friend. In Jesus' name. For the rest of us, I want you to keep your heads bowed. I just want you to give just a moment for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He can say more in a moment than I can in a lifetime. But what we've been talking about today is these three types of thorny seeds that produce all this junk in our life. 
And just like I did, I did this week, what I'm asking you to do is allow the Holy Spirit to shine a light on your heart. What does that look like for you? What have you been holding? These burdens, these cares, this deceitfulness of riches, these desires for other things that's been keeping you from growing and allowing God's fruit to root in your life. He'll speak to you just like he spoke to me this week, because he did, and he showed me some things. I asked him to light up my heart, show me what doesn't belong. We all have it. Don't exclude yourself. We all have it. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Let's commit to rip those things out of the soil and to allow God's seed, because he'll throw it by grace freely. We don't have to go find it. His fruit produces, his seed produces. So Lord, we just thank you for your word, for your seed. We receive it into the soil of our heart with gladness and ask that it take root. And today, Father, we pull out the tares and we pull out the thorns out of our soul, our soil that's been choking out your truth, choking out your word. And we choose to allow your seed to burst forth and to produce your fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and live the overcoming life that you called us to live by your grace. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can you give God a big praise for his word today? Amen. If you're on the prayer team, go ahead and come down. If you need prayer for anything, whether it's related to this message or not, or you need prayer for sickness or anything at all, this is the time to come. Um, but if that's not you, then I just ask that you be super careful out there. Know that we love you and we're praying for you and we will see you here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Amen. Love you guys.